What's happening, weirdos? It's Oscar Nunez from NBC's The Office and from other things and from The Groundlings and from being a wonderful and hilarious human being that I really enjoyed chatting with. And guess what? There's no Pete's Picks on this episode. And I, I thought it would be funny to go for the shortest intro ever. So get into it. Oscar Nunez. High noon. This has to be the record. Get into it. Noon. Noon. How are <laughs> you? Hi, Nunez. Hello, uh, Holmes. <laughs> right off with the nicknames. I'm hitting you with a hi, Nunez. Um, I am not shooting. I'm shooting a small part in a movie. I, I've said this ad nauseum on this show, so forgive me, everybody. But um, it's two weeks of quarantine for uh, a fitting and a day of work. So it's it's real. The math doesn't really add up, but uh, I do appreciate the safety. And I am sort of losing it. To, to answer your wife's question a little bit more thoroughly, it's getting a bit much. <laughs> it's only that means you're normal. If you're going crazy, that means you were normal. Yeah. No, it, it would be bizarre if I had like a Tom Cruise energy and was just really killing it. Just you're really. Doing, <laughs> you, you're doing a cardio while we're interviewing you. Like, yeah. Let me get these out. It's Every time that- you come up from a sit-up, you ask a question. <laughs> and then are you going to Toronto? Where are you going? I'm in Montreal. Yeah, I'm already here. Oh, you're there already? Yeah. Oh, they, they won't let you out of the hotel, man. That's hardcore. This, that's it. Well, you know, I, I was just telling Katie, it's not that it's He's not in Montreal. Hardcore. Yeah. Who's it's, Katie? Who are you? Katie is the tech. Katie is recording okay. us right now. Okay. It's not as hardcore as I thought because, I, I mean, like, they do check on you. That's not exaggerated. But, like, really... There's always an element of trust. You know what I'm saying? Because yes. I'm on East Coast time, so I'm up till like 3, 4 in the morning. So I'm like, and I didn't. I want to be very clear about that. I didn't go for a walk or anything. But I was like, if you did, if I was like a real walking. That's the time team, to do it. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like I could get away with it. I, I certainly yeah. would not. If I open the door, I, I mask up. And then I wash my hands as if I've walked through, you know, the Mall of America. Yeah. I'm yeah. taking it really, really serious. Where Are you in L.A.? Yes, we're we're in LA. We're uh, do you know LA geographically? Yeah. I live in LA. Okay. I live in Los Feliz. Oh, you do live here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why did I thought you lived in New York? Cool, because your show was shot in That's New York. That's why. Yeah, the show films in New York, so I, I, a lot of people think I I did live in New York, but now I live in LA. We live on a street called Woodrow Wilson near Mulholland by Runyon Canyon, where people walk their dogs. Oh, sure. Yeah, I used to live in Hollywood, so I would walk Runyon. Yes, we're on the top side, up near Mulholland. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. You live yeah. in a David Lynch movie. Kind of. <laughs> bye, Ursula. Ursula. Bye. Nice to she's meet gonna, you. She's going to go walk our dog. I mean, I hate and, to start. And daughter. It's such an obvious place to start, but I was su- not surprised, but I was always curious if you were gay in real life because of The Office. And I, you must get that a lot. When people meet your wife, they're like, what? I thought... Because I'm such a fan of the show, it must be something. Was that a, a decision? I mean, I, I remember your character isn't gay in the beginning, and we're not going to talk about The Office the whole time. I, I promise you. And then later, he, I guess he was gay, but he they never brought him out. But it was just me playing myself. Right. And then the the writers, they're like, we were. I don't know what season. Yeah, they I, made I me. It's... They made me gay. They made me gay. The the writers, they're like like a rumor started like they they're making your character gay and i'm like oh pish posh they 
the writers are just bored. They're just bored and they're talking, you know, they're very, having uh, fun. Yeah. yeah. They're having fun. But no, but they made him gay. And then and then Greg Daniels is like, do you mind if they make your character gay? And I'm like, no, I don't mind. I don't care. And he goes, okay, because we have the script. I'm like, well, okay. Now you ask me after. But anyway, so, but he, but, uh, so they made him gay. And I'm like, oh, now he's gay. What do I, how do I, and I'm like, oh no, I don't have to do anything. I can't yeah. change him. Now it'd be weird. I just have to be, which he was apparently gay the whole time. So I just right. had to keep doing what I was doing. I and I'm like, mean- oh yeah, he seemed very gay. And <laughs> very gay. I'm like, oh, of course they made him gay. Season one, I don't mean to Comic-Con you. I think there's a reference to you going on a date with a woman or something. So it felt like it was sort of, you were either that deep in the closet that you were lying. Again, two promises. Oh, good for you. I I had never watched it. I watched it during the quarantine. Oh, you did. You watched it during the quarantine. It holds up. It's a good show. It's a great show. It's It's it's, a good show. I hate to be this guy, but I'm like, it did... It really, even for that time, it certainly pushed the envelope. But for even for this time, it pushed the envelope. There's things where you're like, yikes. yikes." (laughs) Michael Scott is ridiculous. If Steve Carell wasn't so likable, the whole thing would just go right down the toilet. Because you you were there. He says the worst things in the world. The worst. But that's the whole thing, his intent. It's all intention. Right. Right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And, And they always masterfully pepper in the vulnerability he doesn't know he doesn't know and he doesn't yeah. mean it you know he's he's well what was your relationship with comedy growing up because i can relate to that guy I, i'm embarrassed to say but especially when i was young i mean like junior high so it's the 80s and that's kind of what comedy was was you were supposed to be like uh they want us to call them homosexuals now or whatever it is or like whatever michael would have a problem with he would steer into that because that's what i feel like the culture had sort of embraced as comedy was like masculine, heteronormative uh, irreverence. So when I watched yeah. him, I was like, that's skewering a part of me. So the part that I used to be more like when I was young. It's funny because now that you, now that you mentioned it, it was like, so Norman Lear was that big, he was the, right. The, the, yeah. the, the Carol Connor, the, the Archie. Yeah. He was that guy who was like, and, and not apologetic, but he was wrong. Yeah. Right? That, was, that had, was different. That Archie it, Bunker it, did not have the like, but no, I'm a he, sweet guy. No, like but he was know. but he was but his thing when he was totally wrong, so you fell for him because you're like, what world is he living in? Yeah. Cause when he would say his he would say like, uh, oh, cause them they you know, them uh, they don't want to uh, work because it's a biology, it's in the Bible. And then he would state his case and you're like, Oh, that's wrong. The case is completely right. wrong. Right. Whereas whereas Carell, I guess Michael Scott is uh yeah, I guess he means well. He doesn't mean to. Uh, I think he just wants to be, and again, I make this promise again. We're not going to talk. I want to talk about you. I'm fascinated by you. We're literally deconstructing comedy. This is the but I, I want to talk about what comedy means to you, using The Office as a jumping off point, and your relationship, how it changed when you were young. Because to use Archie Bunker and later Michael Scott as examples, I really do think they're reflecting the culture. They're not, I'm not saying they're victims of the culture. I'm not saying you can't transcend your culture. But Archie Bunker, one of my favorite Bill Burr bits is that the, the Duck Dynasty guy gets outed uh, or gets caught saying some really homophobic things. And Bill Burr does this genius bit about how he thought he was being a good boy. 
Meaning the world he grew up in is if you slander this group and praise this group, you were praised. So he was like, oh, I thought I was being a good boy. I thought it was being, everybody's doing, I'd like to think, or maybe it's a, a, a too summarily, too brief way of summarizing everybody. But like most people are doing things because they want to be loved or, they, or they're afraid or, or, you know what I'm saying? So like, I wonder if that helped us understand Michael. Well, it's like, he's just you, trying to be Polly yes. Shore in the, or not Polly Shore, but you know what I mean? He's trying to fit in. You're not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But, but then there's a point where you either, you embrace that and you hold on to it like the Duck Dynasty all the way to adulthood and you're still right. doing that, born, or you break off and you discover Monty Python and That's satire right. and That's sarcasm right. and all right. that. And you're like, the and big inclusion. Macho, yeah. And inclusion, and then, yeah. you know, and then, so I, and it's so much more interesting to me. I love the, I love the person. I love the aspect of Michael Scott where it's he's foibled. He, it's a character who thinks delusions of grandeur. Yeah. You know, Basil Fawlty. There's no funnier yeah. character. And and when you I, don't take too long to assassinate him. Anytime he steps in shit, like he gets his comeuppance after the commercial break. After, you come back he's, and he's getting it. <laughs> and, but he's still indignant. He's still like, how dare you? I, I don't this, you know? And you're right, like, oh right. my God, he, he won't give up. And then finally, and then Michael's, and then he breaks. Then you feel sorry for him, which is a mistake. And yeah. you're like, oh, poor, poor <laughs> it, right? Because that's the thing about The Office. You hate him and then you feel sorry for him and then he lures you back in and then you're like, no, why did I that's right. feel, that's feel right. sorry for him? And it goes all around and around. And again- that's Carell. If you his everything about him and his, how he is, you like him. Great and actor. It, yeah. The same is true. I, I let's broaden it because watching The Office, I had cherry picked episodes while it was airing, but I watched the whole thing and I'm like, holy shit! This ensemble it's the it's one of the greatest yeah. of all let's, time. Let's not dwell on it, but refer to your copious notes and let's go through them all. <laughs> Oscar, I, I just steered the spotlight to you. We were about to start praising you and how wonderful uh, you are, but uh, here we are. There's not enough time. I'll tell you what. <laughs> we when I when I first started when I was I'm from I was born in Cuba. I so my first introduction to comedy, I think I it's was, I think it's Cuba. I'm sorry. I, I, I think you might be right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 Pete! People have told me that seriously. They're like, no shit. Me. Yeah, and I'm like, oh dear God. Okay. Oh my God. It doesn't matter. Oh my um, God. But my first introduction to comedy was, was uh, the Carol Burnett show. Mm. And in particular, Harvey Corman. Mm-hmm. And he, and he would do this bit. I'd be watching the show there with my dad and he'd do this bit where he would, they, they were already on stage doing a stupid a play, one of their plays. And it was like Ken Berry and Carol Burnett doing a, a like a Confederate thing or something, uh-huh. and then and then he would walk in to join them, and the audience would applaud. And instead of going right to stage to join them, he would break the fourth wall like he had no choice, and go and start bowing to the. And they're waiting for him, and Carol Burnett, <laughs> Carol Burnett would look at her watch, and he's like bowing before he enters the scene. And my father would lose his shit because he oh did theater in, at the University of Havana, and he'd be like, oh, Oscar. They are waiting for him. But no, but he go and he bow. He can't do that. <laughs> Saruman, bitch. Look at him. Saruman, bitch. He go, no, but they go. And he go. And they're waiting for him. But no, but he go, oh my God. Look, and he bow to them. No, they're waiting for him. And I'm like, oh. And I'm like, and I remember thinking, he's not really pissed at him. He's like fake mad at him. He's laughing. Yes. And I'm like, and I'm like, so he's not mad. He gets the joke. And I'm like, oh, and, and Harvey, 
he's he's not really doing that. He's breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. You know, I'm and like, he, oh, that is, I'm like, this is cool. That's cool. I want to do that. What these people are doing, yeah. which was like a sketch comedy. Did that As plant a, it? You were like, if I oh, yeah. saw my dad and my mom laughed at comedy, she always put the the funny pages out for us on Sundays with pride. We liked comedy and seeing grownups that think it's important and valid or are vulnerable enough to laugh. Like that's a vulnerable thing. Your dad's letting his kids see him laugh. I, I don't think it should be a vulnerable thing, but I think there are some dads that are like, don't let them see you cry or laugh or, you know, be the general. Well, those are those guys who are like, the gays are funny. They don't mean to be, but we must laugh at them and it's okay. That's Those right, are the right, same people. Right. It's messed it, up. It's messed it, up. But your dad sounds like he was a joyful, he was a lawyer, right? I mean, he was a lawyer in, in Cuba. That's show business. That's right. Yeah. yeah. He, they so came he, here and, and him and uh, my aunt and cousin uh, got into social work. He didn't take his bar again when he came here. He okay. went to uh, he got his he went to Fordham, not Rutgers. He went to Fordham and, and got a master's in social work. Okay, so he chose yeah. to not like. Was it a fresh start, or was he just the bar is too overwhelming to try and? I do think it was too overwhelming in in the new language. It would have been too overwhelming. He's like, uh, so 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 they did that. They did social work, but That's they a- were but they were you know they were in the theater at the University of of Havana and all that. So he went to opera. No and he, shit. he wore a cape, not ironically. Your dad? To go to the opera. My sister and I were looking for him and say, he's wearing a cape. Dad is wearing a cape. <laughs> Dad's wearing a cape. Dad's wearing a cape, like the Seinfeld episode, to go to the opera. And he and they went to movies and they went to Broadway and all that stuff. <laughs> you never wanted to emulate your dad and just rock out a little cape, maybe a bath towel? Um, I... I, I I like fashion. I have, yeah. He, yeah, he, yeah. I, did, I didn't they, even think of that. Yeah. They influenced me a lot. Yeah. Did they? Yeah. The cape. So the cape started as a punchline, but then, I mean, I saw that you ended up going to FIT for a little bit. I did for a minute after high school. Let, well, let's slow down. You're, you're, when did you go to America? We left, I think we left in 60, Cuba. Uh, yeah, I think we left in 60. So Cuba. you were. Three, two or nineteen sixty in Cuba. What what year was it in America? <laughs> same, same year. Same, same. Wow, same, same wow. time zone as the East Coast. <laughs> went, went to South America for just one year, and then Where? we didn't and didn't like it. Caracas, Venezuela, and then went to Massachusetts, and we stayed oh. in Massachusetts for I think a year. And my sister was born there. Oh wow! I'm from Massachusetts. What part? Waltham is that a thing? Waltham. That's yeah, right next was, door. I was, was in Washington. She was born in Waltham. We we lived in Boston for a year, and then and then we moved from there and went to New Jersey, and that's where we grew up. That's where I grew up in New Jersey. I wonder. Well, you might have been t- too young, but there was a bo- a bowling alley because I'm from Lexington. You were in Waltham called Wall Lex, meaning Waltham and Lexington on the border. There was a bowling alley that but I was I like mean, four. Or, or, I mean, you were going. Your dad was thrown on the cape. He was laying down strikes. You were there drinking grape soda. You man, if I would have grown up there, but they all the at first that first wave of Cubans, they were settling in Florida and New Jersey. So all their friends were in New Jersey. So we left Massachusetts. I oh could have very God. easily grown up in Massachusetts. I'd be like a different guy. Like I'd yeah, be rooting I, for the for the Red Sox and <laughs> instead of and all that. Where did instead you go? Instead of Yankees and New Jersey, I grew up in New Jersey. Oh, I'm sorry, you went to New Jersey. Okay, not yeah. too far. Not but that had but, to, but different. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different jerseys, I feel like. Which jersey were you in? Northern. 
right across the Lincoln Tunnel. Okay, so like New right York City. New York City. Yeah. Yeah. So you were in the the sixth borough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And did that inform first? Okay, now I think we're catching up to uh, FIT. But first, you were in high school. Did you do any theater? Did you get into comedy around this time? No, no, I didn't. I, I was I was funny since elementary school, and I liked being funny, and I liked. But in my elementary school, I wasn't the the. I was a class clown, but there was like ten of us. Like there was a lot of funny guys there, <laughs> all in one little car too. Yeah, <laughs> all in the whole St. Michael's uh, St. Michael's Grammar School, and it was um when we moved there, it was um. Italians, Germans, Irish, and Cubans, and all these Cubans went there. So they were like, "What are these? Who are these Cubans? Oh, but they're Catholic and they go to private school. I guess they're cool." So we kind of assimilated. And is that true? Like the shared Catholicism sort of smoothed out the edges. Yeah, I went to Irish uh, uh, Catholic school. But and I mean, so, it made you more readily accepted. Do you feel? I think so. Yeah, I think so. It was. It was. Yeah, it was a very. I Catholic. feel like. If you were pitching the story, like if we're going to make the, the it's called High Nunez uh, or High Noon, um, the story, we're going to we're going to have you go to New Jersey, northern New Jersey, and we're going to have a lot of guys in leather jackets saying they're walking here. And then you're going to be the other. Right. I mean, isn't that the movie we go? I could. Yeah, I could be. I wear the wrong. I wear suede like suede jacket and they're like what are you doing and i'm constantly and, rolling cigars yes and they're like i'm trying i'm trying but it just it's not working yeah but it was then easier than that something will happen yeah it was easy it was easier than that i'm happy to it, hear that yeah so, the hardest thing was the the language we had to uh to learn the language because at this point you didn't yeah. speak english until then of course i, I didn't i i spoke english before my parents because i was little so I kind of started speaking it in Massachusetts by watching uh-huh. television, uh-huh. but I still I still didn't know it when I got to New Jersey. It took me a year, and then I and then I learned it. Okay, and then you're so at first you're being funny in a second language. Like I I can't imagine I speak some nah, Spanish going to Venezuela I, and being funny in in Spanish. I wasn't I funny. I was a, I was I started being funny like in the fourth grade once I knew English. I got left back in the first grade because I didn't speak English yet. Oh, okay. So I got left back in the first grade. And then the second time I did it, I knew English. Okay. And now we're doing bits. And now we're doing bits. And is yeah. it what you mentioned? I mean, Monty Python is, is around at this point. You got Carol Burnett. No, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Okay. Monty Python came around when I was in thinking high school or something. Okay. And, yeah. I and guess. it was, it was amazing. Woody Allen, Monty Python. That was, yeah. So you, that, was okay. whole, that was the whole thing. Who is showing you this stuff? Is it your dad or is it your friends? No, cousin Eddie came home once and said, "Cousin Eddie, he's like, he's like, there's this guy Woody Allen. There's this movie, everything you want to know about sex, and you got to see this movie." And so Woody Allen, but Monty Python was just at school. People were like watching Monty Python, and yeah. I started watching it at, um, on my television set at home. And I remember watching, being in my room, sitting on my bed by myself watching Monty Python, and they they had that that sketch where they're it's like the Victorian era and they're on a lawn and they have picnic blankets and they're all dressed and, and there's a piano. And, and I think it's, um, uh, is it Eric Idle has a racket, a tennis racket. And he's like, Bobby tennis. And he tosses a tennis ball. Do you know this sketch? <laughs> no, it, it's hit, not it, hits, it hits the guy on the head. He wants to, he goes to catch it and it just bounces lightly off his head. And he starts bleeding from his neck. <laughs> and he's like, no. 
and he bumps into somebody and their hand falls. And, and then the guy playing the piano, someone bumps to the piano and the, the, the thing falls on his hands and he pulls his wrist out. He's like, ah, and there's blood. <laughs> and the camera pulls back and it's just this bloody scene for no reason. <laughs> and, and I was sitting on my bed and I laughed so hard. I fell off the bed, landed on the floor, farted and kept laughing. And I'm like, this... thinking, to, thinking to myself, this is really funny. These guys, this is for me, you know? <laughs> um, the laugh was, fart is one of the best farts. Yeah. yeah. It's never, ha- and th- 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 never happened before or, or since. But oh I remember my like, God. making a mental note like, oh, these guys, they got me. I love that so much. And, it, you know, I do like thinking about comedy. It is super funny because the aristocracy and the more high, high and tight we can be in our seersucker suits and playing tennis on a lawn, we are just bags of blood. I mean, that's the joke. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yes. put on a thing that covers up your neck in the Victorian era, you still get diarrhea. Like you that still, is- It doesn't matter. That's, that's what comedy is. The queen of in Victorian England had to run and lift the hula hoop skirt above yes. her head and shoot liquid fire from her powdered ass. And more no than- matter how- and they try to continue with buckles and straps and leather and That's bindings, right. like everything, right. the wrists. The, like, why? Where is this going? That's- Two hours to get dressed, <laughs> go go promenade for 45 minutes, and then, then you know, you get unstrapped before you pass out, I guess. Yeah, it's like a Kardashian. We don't need this anymore. I, I, that, that's sort of what the, uh, not the office, but the office setting is the same way. I, I've made the joke before that like a three-piece suit is just, you can't wear sweatpants to the office because you pull them down too easily. You need suspenders. You need a belt. You need something on your person that says, yes. no one's getting naked here. Yes. Like we are civilized. You We're know. civilized. It's, it's very fun. It, I love that. So, so you're laughing and farting. <laughs> I love little Oscar falling and farting and laughing. And the bug is in you now. I'm very interested because here you are, one of the most recognizable performers, a very talented, hilarious performer in comedy. Internationally. Internationally. uh, Cuba counts. You went to FIT. Then you studied writing and briefly were in dental school. I'm just wondering where, where did the sirens finally grab you? Walk me through that. It's when you say it back like that, I'm like, it's, it, I might as well just make this up. It's all, it's such, it's such a mishmash of like nonsense. It's, I blame it on my parents. They got divorced after high school. It was just, I bounced from place to place. But the first place I landed was FIT because my cousin Eddie, that guy, he was modeling. He was modeling for this guy, Don Robbie, who worked for, I want to say Chris. I want to say he was a, a he was a designer for the Christian Dior label, but it might have been Pierre Cardin. One of those two labels. Don Robbie was a, and Don and my cousin modeled for Don Robbie. And when I was, I think, a junior or senior in high school, I went to visit Don Robbie's office on Sixth Avenue and uh, right across from a, from a Thirty Rock on Avenue of the Americas, Sixth Avenue. On yeah. one of those buildings, I think it might have been 1221 6th Avenue on like the 20th floor. And I walked out into the office to visit Eddie. And it was like a discotheque. The office was like a discotheque. The doors open. Every, everything was pink and gray. Music blasting. I'm like, holy shit, this is crazy. And there was Eddie with all these guys. And they were hanging out. And I'm like, oh, this is Metal Robbie. And and uh, 
And I liked fashion already. Eddie was very much into fashion. I liked it. So I thought, oh, I'm going to go to FIT. And I did. I, what got me into the school was my portfolio, my, my artistic portfolio. And I got there. And so now I'm 18 in FIT. And so I was, you can draw. I'm sorry to interrupt. You're, you're an artist. Yes. Yes. Better before than now. But I can still illustrate a little tiny bit. But, um, so was it, was it the environment of this discotheque where you're like, whatever these people are doing, I need to be in on this yeah, yeah. fun? Yeah. And I liked illustration and stuff. But I, I took fashion design instead of illustrating at FIT. And there were people there who were older than me in their mid-20s, even early 30s. And I was hanging out with older people. They were partying their asses off. And so was I. But they were getting their work done. I was not. And, and there, that's the difference. I'm picturing cocaine. Is this a big coke scene? Oh, yeah. There was cocaine there. Yeah, there was cocaine involved. <laughs> I've there seen cocaine a few outfits that I'm like, I think yeah. cocaine was involved in this. Yeah. Cousin Eddie got, got the, got the I, I went to FIT once, to Studio 54 once or twice. No kidding. Uh, yeah. Just once or twice. I, we used to go to other clubs. But yeah, I partied. And then from there, I think I took a course at Parsons, a writing course. Eventually, I went to dental technology school because... I got to um, slow you down, Oscar. Sorry. You go to Studio 54. That's in so many movies and stuff. Was it really like that? Are you doing... Are people doing lines on the bar? Is it just topless people? Like, was it really... Or when you see a movie with Studio 54, are you like, where's the guy puking? Or what did they get wrong? Nothing? It just was, uh, you know bohemian wildness yeah there's good it didn't last very long it was only open for a couple of years but it was it was and people went there man robert redford went there Mick jagger went there liza those people really were there it was really really hard to get in i would have never gotten in without cousin eddie cousin eddie the model yeah we tried to get in a few times they we couldn't get in without him so so he invited me like once or twice i went but there were other clubs i would go to but studio 54 was the place you wanted to go you didn't run in. Do you have any story of running into Mick Jagger or trying to no, bother? No, he does. Cause he went a lot more than I do. And my cousin, oh, really? my cousin, his, 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 <laughs> I like that sound. It's a promising sound you just made. Not me. His cousin, Ed, I should have used another name. Cousin. Ed. <laughs> cousin Eddie's younger brother. I won't say his name. He has he has two younger brothers. My cousins was one of his younger brothers, and a friend of his sold a bunch of blow to David Bowie's manager. A, a bunch, a bunch of blow, not an eight ball, a bunch of blow. <laughs> and, and Pete and Pete, with the money they made from that from that sale, which was maybe. Is a couple of grand, not a lot, not in the twenties, not in the tens, but a couple of a couple of grand. Yeah. They rented a Mercedes that <laughs> night, went to Studio Fifty Four, and met them there and party with them. So my cousin was party dancing, and Bowie was like ten feet away. Oh and my I'm god! So I'm so jealous of that. Oh my god! And, and they blew they blew all the money they blew all the money they made on on the sale that night. But they were they're like who gives a shit? Yeah. But anyway, I feel like but, that's that's what you do. <laughs> yeah, that's what you do. But you know, they had they're single guys, they have no families. But anyway, that's the kind of stuff that that but I was not involved in that. I wish I was. Um, <laughs> and that's where we got the song Let's Dance. It's about cousin Eddie's yeah. brothers. That's their yeah. song. <laughs> yeah. So stuff like that so would happen. Getting your work done. Yep, keep going. They, well, I'll tell you another thing. The when the Great Gatsby came out, um 
uh, Robert Redford went to Studio 54. And and Cousin Eddie said, this has never happened before because no one gives a shit if who you are at Studio 54. Your lies are making, everyone leaves you alone, whatever. But Robert Redford looked so cool. He wore a, a white suit with a, with a pink scarf or something. And everybody was staring at him so much that he had to leave the club, Studio 54, because it became so, he was like the guy. He was Whoa. the guy at studio in the middle of all these people were like, they couldn't get enough of him. And it was just awkward. And he stayed for a little while and he had to leave because he was stealing focus from everything. Oh my God. That reminds Michael Shea told me a story where Jack Nicholson was at an SNL after party. I think it was Nicholson and, and even somebody else, like two ultra premium superstars. And they were just the center of gravity at the SNL yeah. after party. And then Prince walked in. And no one gave a shit about anybody but Prince. We said he princed him. Really, he Robert Redforded Studios uh, Fifty Four. Yes. That is yeah. that's real celebrity. That is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Prince would be the guy to steal focus from everyone. Yeah, if Prince who, had walked who, in and Robert Redford was in a white suit, I think people would be like, "Somebody tell the guy in the white suit to get Prince a drink." <laughs> who, who, what happens if Michael Jackson and Prince are in the same place? Do they do they hang out together? Do they stay? Are they separate gravitational? Uh, uh, solar systems circling each other or yeah it's like a perfect storm it's like when two hurricanes they need to merge and have one eye so they can be a i was storm. i was in a place once and the edge and bono were there and it was the same thing you could not have a good time because the freaking edge and bono were there and there was like literally people like layers and layers of people around them just waiting to meet them or something I, i'm yeah. like i don't know yeah, no, I, I think that really is where you get to the point where it's like all those parables about selling your soul. I'm not saying they sold their soul. I'm saying you sell something. You sell your privacy. You you want to be the biggest band in the world. It's like, well, you can't go to a party anymore. Or if you, you do, you better hope Prince is there <laughs> so you can talk and, to and, him. And where is that tipping point? Where does that happen? Where is it just Prince and then all of a sudden like, holy shit. Well, I also, you know, I give a lot of thanks for the level of my career. I wonder if you feel the same. I feel like if you go on a plane, people are going to bother you. I can go on a plane, people don't bother me. You are on a network, like the network show. I'm wondering to what degree. I was on, that, I was on a network show. I think if you were on a network show, you'd be bothered. I, I don't get bothered that much. That's what's great. Is that it's right? Just, it's just the right. By the way, your show was awesome. Oh, thank you, Oscar. I really appreciate your that. Your show was very funny. It's so, so funny, funny when I was, yeah, go ahead. Every day I think of you because I drive on Mulholland Drive yeah. and, there, and there's a falling rock sign. <laughs> and I can't help but think of that stupid bit of, do I yes. go faster? Do I go slower? Nah, just brace yourself. Yeah, just brace one yourself. Of my, one of my favorite, what do you do? What do I do? <laughs> no, no, don't worry, just brace yourself. Oh, Oscar. Just I, you know. I there's a falling rock sign. What that means to me, because that bit from the show was a bit that I was doing when I started doing stand-up. So to find a way to repurpose, I'm not saying it's a bad bit. I'm also not saying it's a great bit, it, but it, it's an it's early- It's a good bit. I it's a good bit. It's, it's a, a solid bit. bit. It's so it's a solid bit. It's so stupid. there's a sign. It's this falling rock sign. What do they want me to do? What do they want me to do? <laughs> go faster, go slower? Nah, don't worry. <laughs> Just brace yourself. Really? Yes. Is it- why have it there? Now I'm anxious. Yes. Now we thought you'd not, just brace yourself. Just there it is. <laughs> Take it or leave it. It's a falling rock sign. Don't say we didn't warn you. 
That's what don't I did. Embra- I didn't warn you. You can't I, sue us. You can't sue the city. There's the sign. <laughs> okay, it's an okay bet. But it never found its way into a special or a late night set or anything. And to go back into those, I don't have to go into my notebooks. That's just an expression. I remember my old bits. And to do it and to have you appreciate it really means a lot to me. Pete getting in the car and driving to Iowa is uh, shitting his pants. I'm, and I'm sort of shitting my pants too. I really appreciate that. So you don't get bothered that much. Your level of fame, that's what we're saying. We're not, you and I both are at a nice level. If people are going to talk to you, it's not to say uh, some gossip about the show or whatever. They just want to tell you that they love the show. I think it's great. And, but to, you asked me the, the gay thing uh, when they, they made me gay and then they made me gay. That's a good, that's a good. (laughs) The media made me gay. They made me gay. Greg Daniels. Yeah. 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 It made me gay. And, and, uh, and my then girlfriend, Ursula, we were in New York. We love Christmas in New York. We love winter. Oh God, I miss it so much. My wife, Val loves going to Central Park and seeing the ice cake, going, going to 30 Rock, seeing the tree. That's a that's a or great just Christmas. Walking around at night with a light snowfall is nothing I better. I can, so we were I'm, we were doing we were doing that. We we're walking around and looking for trouble, and and we were I don't know somewhere Park Avenue or something was night and was like, and then we're like, oh, let's get a picture. And these um, uh, two young uh, tweens, I guess, nineteen year old Puerto Rican kids, two gay kids, and we're like, can you get our picture? And they're like, yeah, oh come on, get, get, and, and you know, and they take the picture and they're like, you're the guy from the office, and I'm like, yeah, and they're like you're not gay. Who's, and I'm like, no, man, I'm just, and they were so disappointed. <laughs> it was so funny. They're like, God, you're not gay. And I'm like, you, I'm like, you guys think about it. If I play a murderer, am I, does it mean I have to murder someone? There was a 50, 50 chance that I'm not gay. Why did you think? And they're right. like, you're right. You're right. You're, and, they, and they knew it. They're like, you're right. But they were still upset. They're like, Oh, but still, I'm like, I know, I know. But they're like, you're right. You're right. And, and then we were still friends, but I got such a kick out of it. Cause they were like, Oh, you're well, so, it, oh who's it's this? Got a, it's got- <laughs> like, this is, Oh, come on. No. I'm yes. like, yes, it's all right. They're like, oh, okay. I feel very, like very cool. Oscar had to mean, well, I can't suppose, but anytime there's representation on TV, I feel like that means a lot. And and Oscar was one of the early out gay characters, wasn't he? I mean, that was I was, I was well, Billy Crystal on soap. I was Ellen. Uh, <laughs> your theory is, doesn't hold water, but the, but the, <laughs> but you're still good. But the, but we, I was. I was like uh, nominated for some sort of award, like a like a gay award thing, and I took my two two. Uh, I know Grammy? many. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, some gay was specific. All awards I, look fabulous to me. I don't know. I can't. I can't say. It was like I want to say the gala. No, it was some specific gay award, and then. And I took the two, these two guys that I know from New York City. I've known them for all my life, and they're they're gay. They're a couple, and I took them, and we're sitting there, and they and they're like they're like just chagrined. And the guy, one of them, who's was really an activist when he he was an act up when he was a young guy and fucking fought cops and all that shit in the eighties. And he's like, let me get this straight. My whole life, I've fucking fought for this shit, and you're the one. And I'm like, you don't get us. You don't oh, get us, Joe. You don't. And we were we, we were God. laughing so hard about that. They're like, yes. you asshole. I like, 
you guys don't get us. We're a movement. And, we're, and they're like, oh, <laughs> shut up. And I'm glad I didn't win because someone else surely deserved it more than me. But it was fun to take them there and, and have fun. That is funny. So we are, your parents get divorced. You're a little listless. You don't really know where you're headed. Cousin Eddie takes you into a discotheque that's an office. You go into fashion. You start drawing. You start partying. You can't keep up with your work. And then you pivot. Yes. Into? A bunch of jobs. At one point, um, and I'm going to, I'm kind of writing some short story. I'm going to write a short story about this, I think. Now I have to because I say it out loud. But one of the yeah. jobs I had was I was I sold vibrating pillows. <laughs> they were like little brown pillows, pieces of shit. But if you squeeze them, they 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 vi- they vibrated. Why would you want that? You don't. <laughs> we sold them. We fold, we sold them for 1995 under the guise of reflexology. You put them under your feet. You put them if you have a headache. You lean back, and it just vibrates and annoys the hell out of you. Uh-huh. But but that was I remember that job because remember the Village Voice, the newspaper. Yeah. So there was an ad in the Village Voice. I was between jobs, uh, and um, I also at one point sold hot dogs on the street. I pushed one of those carts. You were one of those guys. And I sold goods. But anyway, to get back to the vibrating. Wait, what do you mean goods? Pillow. You mean hot dogs and chips or you sold other stuff? No, then 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 I sold like like uh, gloves and umbrellas and those crazy people with the big carts that remember that? They no, don't, of course. They Last that. time I was in New York, we're talking about Christmas. I bought a winter hat and gloves off of one of those carts. Yeah, yeah I did that, man. That was nuts. But anyway, wow. so so the so the the article in the Village Voice said, um, we're waiting for you. Give us a call. We've got a cool – it didn't say what it was. It was just, we're waiting for your call. Call us. Come on. Join the team. And I'm like, oh, I got to have to call. Yeah. And I and I called up, and, he, and I'm like, hey, man, I, I read your article in the Village Voice. What are you doing? What's your name? Come on down. Come on and meet us, man. This is your – we're going to make lots of money. And, get through. and I'm like, all right. Was his voice shaking? Was he like, you got to go? No, no it, was, it was really friendly and ambiguous. And I'm like, oh, dear God. All right, let me go check this out because it was in the voice. And so I I took um, – I, I went to the bus to Port Authority, took a train, went downtown. Somewhere in the 20s or in the teens between 7th Avenue and 8th Avenue, like the meat pack and that, went up to an office building. There was people there waiting and i'm like oh hey and they're like oh did you are you here for the job i'm like yeah i'm here for the job and like oh we're waiting too and then this guy comes out and goes come on in come on in and we go into this room and he goes make lines make lines all right now the person in front of you just let's loosen up just do this just do this and loosen up and so people start doing that half the people leave half the people leave yeah so you have to be like oh fuck i you know the morning shot why did i and people with briefcases and they're like, they leave. And then the crazies are staying and I stay and I'm like, Ooh, we're staying, what's happening? <laughs> and then like, oh, let's do this, let's listen up. And and they, oh, you're massaging the person in front of you. In front of you, yes. Oh okay. so half the half the people leave and only the nut jobs stay. And I'm one of the I'm like, okay, let's see where this goes. And then he did maybe he did something else to filter out even more people. And then the people that were left, he's like, and all right, let's sit down. 
and this is going to change your life. And we're going to, and we're going to, we're going to have a product. We have a product and we're going to do it. And he's, he's walking and he's talking to us and he was full of energy and he was short. He was like five foot two. And I remember he had very, his shoes, his feet were little with tiny feet. And that's, and he's like, <laughs> but, but I'm just someone, someone's going to come here and she's going to change your life. And you guys are the winners. They're the losers who left because you're here now and it's going to happen. And then he's like, here's Sylvia. Sylvia's going to tell you. And, and then he's like, Sylvia's going to tell you what to do. And, and he's, and he leans on the desk and he sits on the desk and this woman walks in and I fell in love in a heart. She looked like Sigourney Weaver. She had long black hair. She was beautiful. She was like six foot two and she had lots of bangles and flowing like, like, like a loose fitting clothes, like really cool, yeah. like a model. And she, and she starts walking in front of the walking back and forth. And she's like, how did you get here today? Raise your hand. If you came by bus or, or uh, train, how did you get here today? And I'm like, I came in train and I'm looking around. I'm like, I came in subway. She's like, put your hands on. You know how I got here? I drove my Corvette here. Look out the window. There's a red Corvette. There's a red Corvette. <laughs> oh, it's like a bad Glengarry Glen Ross. <laughs> and I'm like, she came with a Corvette. And I, no one can look out the window because the window's all framed and foggy and shitty because we're up in some warehouse. <laughs> you know, I remember when I went into the building, there was like trucks and delivery guys outside. I'm like, well, I hope your car is safe because I came in my Corvette. How did you get here? And this and we're going to and and I made so much money doing this and you're going to make it, too. And I have I'm on top of I have 50 people below me and I got to get out of here because I got to go somewhere and give them. a. But you guys did it. You guys did it. Don't believe the people who left you guys. This is going to happen. I'm here. I could tell you whatever you want, but I got to go now. But remember, you can do this. I did it. You can do it. Everyone could do it. Billy's going to fill you in. All right. And she leaves. And everyone's like, ooh. <laughs> I'm like, can I have some, some vibrating pillows? <laughs> he gets up. He's like, wasn't she great? And we're like, yeah. And he goes, all right. Who heard? Who here has heard about reflexology? And we're like, oh. And he takes that little pillow. And he's like, yeah. This was developed by a doctor, and, and then he gives us the spiel. So they give you a bag with like 10 pillows in it, and you're supposed to sell them for $19.95. And they break you up into teams of two, and they have Manhattan broken up into grids. And you're supposed to go in and bother people at work, like going and like go up to a receptionist with your bag. And, she, and people are like, can I help you? And you're supposed to go – excuse me, can I, can I just put this underneath your feet or can I put this behind you? Just feel this and, and sell the pillow that way. That's but the it most never pre-COVID thing I've ever heard. Can I put many, this pillow that was just behind someone else? A lot, a lot of times, maybe, maybe six out of 10 times, they would be calling security before you reach them. They're like, security, I'm calling security, sir. You don't have an appointment. What are you doing here? Sometimes they would let you do that. I uh, got a girlfriend out of the thing. I met this girl. But the the but this is the way this is the technique that worked. You I want to know about that relationship, Oscar. Go get the pillow in the bedroom. <laughs> the uh, oh, so many people complained about the pillow. <laughs> it was more annoying than anything else. But this is the way you would sell it. You'd get you get in the elevator and press like the top button, and then just getting an elevator full of business people and businesswomen doing their jobs. And as you went up, you would just take it out and go. Nonchalant, and someone would go, "What's what's that? Oh, this! Oh, 
it's just a vibrating pillow. It's for backache, whatever. I'm, I'm, I have, I have to deliver like this one on the eighth, the uh, tenth floor. I can't sell you this one, but if you want, I can come back later or, or tomorrow if you're interested. In, and that's just oh do it nonchalant, like that's like good. whisper them. Yeah, like horse whisper them into it. That's, that's the good. Only, you make yeah. it sound like you already have a sale in the building. Yeah, and I can't sell you this one. No, no, I'm sorry. Oh my god, that's you know? so Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Sell me this pen. Well, I can't that's, sell you this pen. This pen's yeah. my pen. This is a yeah, special that's, pen. That's the only way to sell them. It was so hard to sell them the other way. Oh my god. Anyway, did, I did that for. Yeah. Did you learn some? I I feel like we're leading up to improv. Here you are doing high stakes improv. The worst thing that happens at the Groundlings, you bomb. The worst thing that happens here, people call security. You might get escorted out in a rough manner. I mean, this this seems like high stakes theater. Before before there were cell phones, we'd never taped any of this. But there's a fella. He's around here somewhere. Um. They told me he went to Good Neighbor and he left a message for me. Steve Rosenbaum is his name. Mm. It's about my age. And and uh, he's a performer. Steve, I think you still are. Steve Rosenbaum. And he and I delivered balloons in a van in Manhattan, in New York City. <laughs> and we would have these crazy scenes just for ourselves. Crazy <laughs> things that we would do. <laughs> Um, for your own amusement, just to pass for our the own time. amusement, just to pass the time. One holding time bundles had, of balloons. We did one. There's two that really stick out. <laughs> one was we just had a fight. We were we were in the driving the balloon and we double parked it. I think on a might have been Fifth or Sixth Avenue, and we got out and we were fighting in front of the van. Like you idiot, it was my turn to drive, and we're like fighting and. Pulling, I showed the shirts, and we and the and the fight spilled out into taxis, and we were like leaning on taxi cabs, and and they went to the street, and we had a big crowd, and we didn't know what to do. Once we had the crowd, we were looking at each other, and there was like many people around because it's just a ridiculous West Side Storyish kind of fight, and, you know, <laughs> and we're like, what? How do we end this? And we just kind of just petered out, and we just walked back. But the really funny one we did, we we delivered balloons, and he has the balloons. And we're going to deliver balloons for someone's birthday. And we're getting out and going to go see a receptionist on this office. And, and I, th- I say to him, or he said to me, it's, it's your first day at work. And then we walk up and he's just standing there with the balloons like this, quiet, looking at the ground. And I come up and I'm like, hello, miss. Um, we have a delivery. And I turn to him and he's just like an idiot, just staring at the ground like this. And I'm like, go speak speak and i shove him and he's like this is a delivery for someone i'm like what the hell is wrong with you use confidence do it right what's wrong with you i'm in i'm responsible for you i go miss i'm sorry i'm training him i'm training him i'm so sorry i'm responsible for him and she's like it's okay it's okay he's doing great you and she's like immediately like goes to save him because it looks like something's wrong with him he's like i want to and i'm like come on they're gonna fire me and at one point i shove him and he lets go of the balloons and they all scatter on the roof they're bouncing and spreading all and i'm like oh my god oh my god god you guys were doing life bits for no one bits and i'm screaming at him and and the woman is like trying to gather the balloons and then we leave We get back to the place and they're like, what happened? We heard something. What's going on? And we're like, we know we don't know. We delivered the balloons. We delivered the balloons. Oh, anyway, we had so much fun doing that. God. Yeah. 
So you are doing renegade theater, basically. Yeah, You're prepping yourself. For, for nobody, for nobody. For your, and this is going to inform the rest of your life. You're figuring out how to improv under yeah. very intense circumstance. It was a lot of fun, yeah. And th- when did the Groundlings come in? I mean, you're doing this. You had, did you, and did you even have an inkling like, you know, when this balloon thing goes sideways, I'm going to try it in show business? I mean, it's a long jump. I, 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 I went from the balloons, <clears throat> got fired from the balloons. Um, that's a, that's, is it a clown that fires you? <laughs> I mean, like, it sounds like. No, such a... <laughs> it, was, it was these cool guys and he tried to give me a lecture. He's like, Oscar, you have to, you have to do better. What's wrong and all this stuff. And I'm, and he was trying to help me. He's like, you're, you know, and I'm like, oh, I had to sit there. Cause he meant it. It came from love. He's like, you, cause what I would do is I would start jobs and people were like, oh, he's so entertaining. He's so, he's, he's, he's good and he's smart and he's entered think like a couple of weeks thing. They're like, ah, oh, that's all he is. <laughs> Just, all he can do is make us laugh and be irreverent. He's not really doing any work. Yeah. And once, once they would catch on, they're like, you have to go. I'm like, I know, I know. I'll be oh going. My. I'll be going. <laughs> you were putting up a smoke screen. It was a snow job. It was a snow job. Just wow. Until, like, so you're fired from balloons. This reminds yeah. me, Jerry Seinfeld used to sell uh, light bulbs, telemarketing. And I just think of you funny people incapable of keeping these straight jobs. I sold, I'm not going to linger on these next ones, but I sold the balloons. Then I sold, then I sold hot dogs. And then the, the no, then I sold, I think the dry goods, the, the crazy dry goods, which was crazy. And then the hot dogs. And then a guy saw me selling the hot dogs and stole me away from the hot dog guy. And I was selling yogurt, frozen yogurt. Because you were no. good at it. Vice versa, the yogurt, the hot dog guy stole me away from the yogurt guy. And then this is I because you're good, like you're charismatic was good. Street and you're selling and, dogs. Yeah. And then I work and then I got a job at Bloomingdale's. I got a real job at Bloomingdale's. And that's when I auditioned for this group called Shock of the Funny. At Ground. We were doing no New York City. We were doing improv in New York City. But on why? the lower, lower East Village. Who told you that improv and sketch comedy was a thing? Like at Bloomingdale's, where are you? Harvey Corman. Okay. I after after um I guess I guess dental technology was after Bloomingdale's. Correct me if I'm wrong, Pete. Uh, the dental technology was after Bloomingdale's, and then I was I went through the school, and then got a real job as a dental technologist. And again, not good at it, just very funny. And people had to like like go over my work. And after a while, they're like, "We can't keep going over your work. You just." You're really not good at this, are you? And 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 then um, <laughs> you're X-raying your foot. <laughs> and and then that's when I'm that's when I'm like, well, okay, this is for real now. This is for real. I'm wearing a lab coat and I'm in a lab. This is like life. So I'm like, well, what do you really want to do? And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I really want to do comedy. And and your friend Harvey told you that it was a thing, like. Have the only been? one, no one else told me I should do it. Everyone else was like, cut the, what are you doing? You must not do this. Had you been to a sketch show or a stand-up show or an improv show? I mean, or are you really going? Yeah, into the game? no, I was Unknown. a fan of, no, I was a fan. I know I could do it because I knew that I was funny from all the jobs I was fired from. And <laughs> That's a great name for your book. I knew I was funny because of all the jobs I was fired from. <laughs> it's true. And, uh, 
And so I, I tried out for this sketch group. And the sketch group was uh, uh, this guy, Mike Player, and he had a, a, a group called Shock of the Funny. And him and his partner, Joel, are the guys who I took to this event. No years shit. Years later here. Yeah. No shit. Wow. That's yeah. fun. Yeah. That's so fun. you got so, yeah, in. So, you got, I got in, in and, and, we, and we did that for we had a, a theater on Eighth Street between First Avenue and Avenue A, on wow. in the East Village, and did that for I think four or five years. Did a we had a, a improv show down there. Wow. Then then left there, moved around a bit. Eventually wound up in L.A. and that's that what I doing. Ground. That's what I, yeah, that's 8th Street and Avenue A, that, that, I mean, it wasn't Alphabet City. This is around 19... Be- between 1st Avenue and Avenue A on 8th Street. And it was in the, what decade? 80s, I guess. Because wasn't it still like a, like I love 8th Street and Avenue A now, but wasn't it like a pretty rough oh, area around that time? Horrendous. It was insane. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. Thompson Square Park was full of junkies. Yeah. Chock, chock full of junkies. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Crazy. Whenever I walk through that park now, I'm like, isn't this where like Gigi Allen like lit himself on fire and ran around and, or did he die there? Like it was like a really, really rough, rough, rough. Yeah. Day. And fourth street had La Mama and all those Indian yeah. restaurants were down there and it was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And you guys were, were barking to get people into your sketch show. Yes. We had a small theater, the size of a closet underneath an, an anarchist bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> and we would perform like Friday and Saturdays and like I think it was Saturday night like clockwork the, the neighbor upstairs like in the middle of a sketch like maybe at midnight or something he would come down and bang on the door outside with a hammer because we're making too much noise like clockwork and then one of the people performing Joel Marks especially he was like big and, and good with people de-escalating he would leave the stage and go up there and open the door and calm him down and say, it's wow. almost done. We're almost finished. Stop the noise. It's theater. Oh. We're doing theater. And then, <laughs> and, and then he would, and that would be enough. And he would go upstairs, but it happened every Saturday. He'd come down with a hammer, which sounds Whoa. crazy. And then Joel would have to go talk to him and open, excuse me, excuse me, everyone. Excuse me. And go. And people are like, I what's happening? Her. Nothing. Eyes on us. Eyes on us. Nothing's happening. Yeah. It's hard to divert attention from a man, an angry man with a hammer. And I love that he diffused him by saying theater, like Cuba. We got to say theater. Larry, the- we always go through this. You know, it's going to end soon. We'll be done in a minute. Please. We're sorry. What every the- day, every weekend. It's the same. That's right. You should be used to it. No. <laughs> That was the show. We should have had a mic and camera on Joel. Did you get a sense that you were good at it here? Were you standing out? Were you feeling what's motivating? You're move, You're it about was, to move to LA. I mean, that's you gotta. It, it was uh, um, intimidating, but I knew I I can get a handle on it. I knew that. Yeah, that, uh, th- that I should be doing this. Even in the early struggle, there was. Just, I always liken it in the open mic. It's like. Don't compare yourself to the greats. Compare yourself to the other people at the open mic. Like, so you're feeling, I can hold my own. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I, yes. I'm thinking this is way overdue. Yeah. A, you know, I should have uh, gone to college and been normal and then joined a group in college and all that crap. But it didn't happen that way. I had to yeah. go the another way. The longer way, but it, it the all longer. Worked. <laughs> it all worked out. So you, where do you get it in your head to go to LA? Who tells you, 
who tells you about the promised land? I just, it was, uh, my wife just handed me a note. Um, <laughs> You're like the president. Yeah. My daughter's doing yoga and she's going to go walk our dog. The, um, <laughs> it was just the last, the next place to go. New York, it was fun, but I was getting older and, and it's, it, it, it's a hard, it's hard uh, not, ha- not having a wealth or struggling in New York is a struggle. And after a while, the charm wears off. And I, I'm like, I'm going to go to LA and see what happens there. And if nothing, then I'll end up in Japan. I'm just going to keep going West, I guess. Um, <laughs> Cause I'm not coming back. <laughs> I'm not coming back. Like David yeah. Burns says West to who knows where. Yeah. So, so, so I'm like, and then I, you know, when I got here, I'm like, Oh yes, it's easier here. There's backyards. There's more trees. You get more bang for your buck. Yeah. It's, yep. it's, it's different. It's less stressful. I completely agree. I was in New York for seven, eight years. And when I got to LA, I was like the same cost of apartment. And it was like, obviously all the things, it was way bigger. It was always sunny. I look, I had a little yard. Everybody seemed a little bit more relaxed, not everywhere yeah. in LA, but in my neighborhood, it was like, this the, is calm. I like this. Yes, it's good. The only, the bad thing is that it lures you sometimes into thinking you're doing something when nothing is happening. And you're like, I could get used to this. No, don't get used to it. You be, do something. Cause That's you know, so funny. I forget who it was. I think it might've been Robert Kelly, the comedian moved to Venice and Patrice O'Neill, who was on the office. You That's Patrice. right. Yeah. Patrice visited Robert, uh, I think it was Robert, in his place in Venice. And, and that's what was happening to, to Bobby. He was loving L.A. He was living on the beach. It, it might have been somebody else. It might have been Bill Burr. It might have been Geraldo. I don't know. But he cooked him chicken wings. And Patrice was like, I th- these are the best chicken wings I've had in my life. And he was like, thanks. And he's like, I think you need to do a set. Like, you need to get out and do shows because you just cooked me the best chicken wings I've ever had in my life. You didn't move to LA to go to the beach and cook chicken wings. Go fucking hustle in the way that only Patrice could. And I can only poorly paraphrase. But that's the allures. Like, they're the people that are in LA and they think being in LA is the success itself when really... And you're like, and, and he's like, Patrice, I just got here. It's only been like oh, six years. Yeah. <laughs> you feel like you just got here. And it's like, no, you haven't yeah. just gotten here. It's it a timeless like place. That. It's a Because t- there's, I, I mean, because there's no seasons. You're there's just nothing. like, it's been it's one crazy. week and it's been a year. Yeah, it's been it's a year. It's crazy. And you're, and you're like, that whole thing of, of being on the East Coast, which took me a long time to get used to and calling someone up and saying, Hey, what are you doing? Nothing. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go meet for a beer or whatever. I'll meet you in 15 minutes. Go to this corner and that corner. Yeah. Here you're like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. No, I I had like in two weeks I can go. No one can just go. No one can just leave and go meet you. No one can do that. No one can just leave and meet you. I need a week's notice. They can't busy, do it. I'm cooking chicken wings. I can't meet you on the east side right and, now. And no one can just show up in your house and knock on the door. You're like, what's happening? Who is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's weird. No, it I mean, is it's, very it's weird. different. It's different. That's what I like about Los Feliz is you can walk around. and you, Yes. There's a lot it, of comedy people in Los Feliz. I can't yeah. go for a walk without running into somebody I know. So I, that, that's, And Silver Lake, too. Silver Lake, Los Feliz, they're like neighborhoody. Right. And Hyde Park, I think, Adwater. I don't have a sidewalk. I don't have, there's no sidewalk outside my street. There's no, yeah. there's just a street like at this angle. <laughs> no, one, no one can go out. My, my, you know, 
Yeah, it's well, that's the problem too. the isolation of L.A. Remember in the movie Crash, they're like, I think people get in accidents just to talk to each other. I was like, that's a very L.A. phenomenon. Yeah. I remember being in an audition when I first was just visiting L.A. And I just couldn't get over the fact that once you're isolated, you start craving isolation. It becomes your new normal. And I remember I, I said to everybody in the audition, I was like, when I go grocery shopping, if I turn down an aisle and someone else is down it, I'll go to the next aisle. And everyone is nodding. And I was like, oh, this is like an L.A. thing. It's just so weird. It's not natural. Whereas in New York, you can't walk down the street without having your social meter filled, sometimes overfilled. Yeah. I, so, so you found your way, though. You adjusted. And then you... After a couple of years, I hated it the first couple of years. I'm like, yeah. oh, this is awful. Everybody hates LA at first. That's that's uh, good to remember. Yeah. And and but then of course then you know the great equalizer is is employment. Yeah. And I'm like, well, okay, Ella Fitzgerald said it. You know, it's I've been it's it, if you're poor, Paris sucks, New York sucks, LA. If you have money, then all those cities are it's just Did she say that? No, she said I've been poor and rich and rich is better. Something like that. I I'm mean when you're talking when I'm talking about Christmas in New York when I was there and struggling or, you know, I, I, I don't want to call it struggling, but I was broke. Um, it was not the same New York. I mean, the New York that we're, you and I are talking about is the fun, like let's pop in here. Like Val and I love popping in fancy hotels and just having dinner or whatever. It's like, you can't, that's, that's exactly, it's a different city. So it's a LA. different city. So, so is different the world, city. unfortunately. I mean, uh, different things open up. of course. So, yeah. You found your feet what, and you started work. What was your first comedy job? You, you got into. Uh, we, we performed in New York. We did some stuff in New York. I, I, I just mean in LA. Oh, in LA. Uh, what did I do here? <laughs> I guess the groundlings. I started performing at the groundlings. I got into the Sunday company and I did some stand up. I did a little stand up with my buddy. That was kind of fun. Um, like two, like two person stand up? No, no. He had a motorcycle, and that's we would drive together. And he'd do his setting, I'd do my set. Oh, that's fun. Um, Where'd you go up? We went up at, at Universal City somewhere and did some, yeah, some improv there. I mean, some stand up there. I won a gift certificate. I won a prize or something. <laughs> um, and that's an early credit. He's a gift certificate winner. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I used to do this bit. The thing that I, my mistake was I would never do the same material twice. Cause I'm like, I've, I've done that. I can't do it again. I'm like, why just build on it? But I, I would, get... but I did, I, yeah, I, I, I tried and it, I don't know. Um, I, I used to do this bit where I'm like, I went, where, where did I do this? I don't know, but I went on stage and I, I got there like, like Oscar Nunez and I, and I was a little late and I rang on stage and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I was, I was, I'm, I'm late. I'm, I'm sorry. I was, and I, I have a ventriloquist dummy, dummy, like a poncho and a Mexican hat. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I was looking for my ventriloquist dummy and I couldn't find it. And I was, I ran out of the house and my gardener was there and I borrowed his. So let's see if this works. Cause this isn't my dummy. This is my oh. gardener's. And, and I'm <laughs> oh like, como esta? I'm like, como esta? I'm like, how you doing, man? What's going on? He's like, señor, you know, I'm English. I'm like, Oh God damn it. He doesn't speak English. Oh, he doesn't God. speak English. Cause he's Mike. And then I'm, and then I start, I start arguing with him about English and Spanish, and I fight him, and it's just, it's just so stupid. 
Because he's not my dummy. You have that flavor. You're going for like a shock value. You're going for like a piece. You're doing like in your life. And one time this guy, one time this guy hired me. I did something at at Acme. I did some stand-up at Acme. And there was a guy who owned a club like an hour away, somewhere out there, not LA. And he paid me 300 bucks to go out there. And I went out there and I bombed. It was all like these like, like blue collar, like, like Spanish, like hardcore, not gang, but tough guys, you know, yeah, yeah. Gang, tough guys. And, and he was having a great time. The owner was in the back laughing his head off, but no one else was laughing. Oh, no. And I, and, and I, I, what was my bit? I went out there and I'm like, I said, what, the, how did I start? I said, ladies and gentlemen, I, um, you know, I'm, I'm Latino and, but, um, um, my grandfather, my, my grandfather in Cuba was, a we, you know, we had, there was racism there and he was a slave to fashion. He wore gilded sleeves and they mocked him at the, they made fun of him at the town square because he had a double bested bread. And I do this thing on yeah, fashion, yeah, how, yeah. how the town, and they weren't, they were just staring at me and, but he's laughing, right. but they're just staring. And I, and I'm like, and then, and then they made fun of me and he god damn him and then i i take out a picture from my from my wallet and it's of this black guy this old black guy, and i'm like here this is him why why did you do this to me and i start like crying and then i leave the stage and i sit down at a table and i'm talking to the photograph i'm like grandpa i loved you at first but then you you tr- you try to and and people are like what the fuck is he <laughs> oh my god you're pot no committed <laughs> you had to do it you have to finish no one's the- no one's laughing. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing at this point. I'm like, is this drama? Maybe I should say thank you. I came to the wrong theater. I thought I was. So then oh I go up there and God. I and I finish and they're like, Ugh. and then the, the next guy goes up and he's like, all right, let's give it up to him. Hey, my cock is bigger than yours. And they're like, yeah. And he right away, he got them right back. He knew what to do. And he, oh he, he knew I tried. He's like, you know, buddy, okay. All right, everybody. And so I'm like, okay, I, at least I didn't screw him up. He knew the, but I went wow. back and, and the owner was like, you're great. Come back again. I'm like, no, this was awful. I'm not coming back. Give me my money. <laughs> that used so, to be one of my save lines when I did stand up. I was like, I really envy people that do theater because if you say something and it's not funny, the audience thinks maybe it's supposed to be moving. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like, like when you're well, <laughs> and I and then and then I knew Pete. I'm like, I can't leave LA. I can't leave. I have to go to Largo or you know, I have to stay here to do those those things, yeah, those yeah, performance yeah. pieces. Yeah. So but then at that and then I start and then I got into the Sunday company at the Growlings, because the Growlings you have to go through these courses. And then that was fine because I was performing every Sunday. At, in that was ninety-eight. Is this Growlings. Did they discover you for the office there or, or did I'm assuming you just auditioned? Oh, or no. Saw you? Year, years after. Years, years, just, years. Just a regular audition. Yeah. Yeah. What was that like? I have the call sheet here framed. Really? Uh, that, that day, Kay Flannery was there for an audition and Leslie David Baker was there for an audition. No shit. For the show. Yeah, for the show, for the office. How did you get it? How did you get the, the sign-in sheet? Yes, Allison Jones gave it to me, the casting director. Whoa. And I made two photocopies, one for Leslie and one for Kate, but I have the original. That is such a cool thing. What a nice thing yeah. for Allison to do. Yeah, it was. But um, 
You know, yeah, so- it was just it was just a regular audition, just a regular audition. It was improv, so I knew I'd do good. Yeah, I got a call back. I got the job. Had you uh, seen the British show? Oh yeah, I was a fan before that. I saw yeah. it, and I and I said to myself, "We're not going to be able to do this." This, yeah. we'll, we'll shoot the pilot. Krasinski story isn't there that he he talked shit and it ended up he was talking shit to Greg Daniels. That's a story that went around that he was like. The real mistake is trying to redo the British one. This is going to be a nightmare. And he, I, I think he didn't know he was talking to Greg Daniels. That's I can see that. Yeah. yeah, I can see that happening. Yeah. I, you know, Kate and I got the pilot. We were there and then we got picked up for a couple of shows. And I'm like, are you quitting your day job? She's like, no, not yet. And I'm like, nah, me neither. Wow. I was still, I, I was babysitting and catering and she was working at Kate Madeline. And then we got picked up for a full season. And I'm like, you're going to quit. She's like, yeah, I'm fucking quitting. I'm like, me too. And we quit at the same time. We're like, oh, we quit. Good for and, you. Yeah, it was cool. It's so funny, dude. I just want to dispel this rumor because something I remember hearing about The Office, and I know it's not true, is that the that you guys were background that became actors. Like that was something that people were just like, it was like folklore or something. No, we had to audition. If we were background, we would not have to audition for the part. They would have right. just picked background. We had to audition for those parts. I think, I think they knew was, in their mind that eventually they would write for us. Eventually. That's so funny. I, it's so clear where you go. Cause I'm not just saying this. There's so many moments that you kill it. It, it, it happens gradually more and more. We see more yeah. and more. I actually was surprised watching the whole show that like Phyllis, they never really used Phyllis as great as she is in like inside out. You watch inside out. Cause I have a two year old. And I'm like, holy shit, she's incredible. So I'm watching The Office waiting for that special Phyllis episode. They used her, but I'm happy to say that they, they figured out some of you guys. They definitely figured you out. It's a deep bench. It's a deep, it's bench. A deep bench. Yeah, for sure. You know, you know, she was the assistant casting director. Maybe that's where the rumor starts is they're like, you know, she's not even an actor. She, and, and then she was the assistant the for Alice Jones, assistant casting director, reading with the other actors. And there was a part, and Ken Quapis, the director of the pilot, and the, yeah. said, put her in a, a, a opposite these people. And she had read so much, there was a part open, they said, give it to Phyllis. And she went no. from being the assistant casting director to being a cast and the cast. But the assistant casting director is the person reading the lines off camera. Yeah, yeah. She Alice was helping. She so was she an office knows, worker. This is, that's the LA cliche that shouldn't be a cliche because it never seems to happen, but it happened yeah. with Phyllis. Wow. It happened with Phyllis, yeah. So you quit your job. What a glorious day. Are, are you married at this point? Are you with Ursula at this point? No. Okay, so you're just celebrating with your friends. You're just celebrating with, celebrating with, I might have been dating. Celebra- yeah, I'm sure. No, yeah. no, I think I, no, I think I was single. Wow. I think okay. I was single at that point, yeah. And the rocket's on the launch pad. And then how quickly was it clear that The Office was a hit? I really don't even know. I actually really like the was, first couple episodes Kevin, where it has more of a too. slow, Ke- slow pace. Kevin Riley was our champion, and and we – I don't know what was going on with the ratings, but I think – I don't know. It wasn't Twitter. Some, something was going on with the, on social media where, like, like uh, men between 18 and 35, we were number one in that category. And mm-hmm. that kept us going, and that kept us going – even Until if the we numbers broke. weren't phenomenal. The, yeah, the something demo. was going on. Something go- was going on with that demo. Something was going on. And they're like, well, something's happening here. Let's, you, let's keep. But you, I. Oh, go, go ahead. No, but I, I knew 
whether we got picked up or not, I knew it was a good show. The first episode was verbatim the same episode of the British pilot. It's the same uh, the same roughly. script. Second script was a great script, and I'm like, this is our second show. I'm like, this is funny. It was the one where um, we we had cards on our heads, yes. different nationalities, yes. and BJ Novak wrote that, who was a young kid. Yeah, and yeah. and I'm like, I'm like, who wrote this? BJ, that kid that wrote this. I'm like, this is good. Yeah, this is a funny script, and yeah. it feels good to say that and. To be in a show where you don't have to be like, oh, it's okay, and you know, it, I'm like, oh, this is, this is the shit. This is Cheers. This is Mary Tyler Moore. This is a Absolutely. good. I'm in a good. I'm in a good. Um, what is it called? Sitcom? Is that is that what we're still using? Yeah, it's a situational <laughs> comedy. Yeah, I'm like, I'm in a good sitcom. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm and, on a good sitcom. But you must have been nervous for the pickup. I mean, do you did you get a mid season pickup? Yeah, we got a pickup and we got picked up and then and then uh yeah it was just we got picked up like for four shows something weird and we're like oh, what the <laughs> fuck does that mean and then we got picked up for a full season and then we were like off and running i think yeah so That's, do you remember yeah. a moment where you feel like you earned your stripes like where you riffed or or uh, you started to congeal with the group or you really started to feel at home they weren't they weren't writing for us very much we just had like looks and things and one line, one uh, like lines we did, but we were hitting home runs. Everybody like, like, like Brian Baumgartner was funny. I'm like, I know Angela from the groundlings. I know how funny she is. Yeah. I knew Brian from this commercial that he did where he was, he worked in a deli. He was like a deli guy. Yeah. And he was funny in the commercial. And I'm like, this guy's funny. Yeah. And Kate, that's pretty, Kate that's was funny. Voice. I mean, yeah. It's before Kevin found his voice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and everybody, right. everybody, I'm like, oh, these are good. These are solid people. So, was Gervais around? Those are. It feels like I'm not saying it. The first season had a the Gervais episodes always seem to be a little bit edgier, and those first episodes definitely have a little bit more. I don't want to call it sting, but there was a bite to them that I thought might have been like a heavier Stephen and Ricky influence at the beginning, but they they weren't. Perhaps they were they were around a little bit, and they would come. I think Steve Merchant directed a show. We saw Steve came over. We met Steve. Ricky never. Uh, Ricky was in an episode, but he never directed one. You guys had some great directors. Do any stand out? I mean, I I would always recognize the names, and there'd be some really fun. Josh and uh, um, Harold Ramis. We had. Yeah, I was going to say Harold Ramis was one of them. How cool is that? J.J. Abrams more than once. That's the other one. Yeah. John Favreau. Did you He's go around really... JJ and cough like Star Wars? <laughs> Just trying to get cast <laughs> you as something. <laughs> that was kind of before that, yeah. yeah. But he was—I mean, these guys were great. They would hire, you know, food trucks, and it was just awesome. And they'd be back more than once. Um, we're like they—they—they they, they were like fans of their show. Yeah, yeah. But we got to meet Harold Ramis. That was great. Yeah, you know, and, then, and John Favreau, and and yeah, fantastic stuff. What what is a fond memory that you have? Instead of just kind of me guessing, if it's Will Ferrell, if it's the directors, if all it's of the above, Steve. freaking Will Ferrell. I knew Will from before. We know how funny he is. He's insane. The so kiss much, episode. I mean, how so hard was it to get Will. through that? The kiss episode where he wasn't supposed to kiss me. He wasn't. No. No shit. Yeah, he did it because the scene was flat. He just kept hugging me. That's what the script said. And 
So like the fourth or fifth time he came in and, and his nose is getting closer. And I'm like, pick a side. What are you doing? And I'm like, Oh no, he's not picking a side. <laughs> and, and we're kissing. And I'm like, I'm like, I can't laugh. Cause, because then we have to do it over and over again. And then they know what's happening. The cast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. All those, all those stupid reactions are real. We did it that one time. It made it the was episode. Only once. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. It's the, great because you know there's no audience, so you you can have your timing. Yeah, you there's no people laughing interfering with the comedy. Yeah, you know, so we so it was. That's what was great great about the original, and that's what was great about that as well. That's right. And then I mean, I it's kind of a a big question. Well, we're sort of running out of time. Maybe we should shift gears. Um, unless there's anything else office you want to hit, how it changed your life, what you learned. I am curious, maybe the greatest lesson you learned about acting through that process. Um, just, I, um, techniques and memorization are very important. Um, techniques and memorization. Two yeah, separate I'm, I guess how to memorize lines. I, I don't think I'm going to break any, uh, uh uh, um, acting techniques of like now I'll learn how to weep. I I don't. I need. I I can't. I I don't. I I can't play that. I you know I did a this show People of Earth and and Greg Daniels called me up and he's like you can be a priest an astronaut or a cowboy which will you pick and I'm like I'll be a priest. He knows my range. I like <laughs> uniforms. I like to you know that's yeah. how that's I can act that way. Give me. I'm a doctor. I'm a Yes. Uh, if I'm yes. just a person, then it's like, well, okay, I'll I'll be a person, um, a person who doesn't cry. <laughs> You're fine. My you, tear ducts are. Um, get a, so get a COVID yeah, test. I, I like that'll, a, that'll do it. I like a comedy. <laughs> I like comedy. Uh, 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 I could do drama, but it's work. It's hard work. I have to concentrate yeah. and really do it and and take it seriously without trying to make fun of it. Right. Um. But 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 um. Yeah, it was, um, I, I liked, you know, we, you, you memorize your stuff, but, but you know, you did it. You, you can't memorize it because then it might change on the day. So, you know, be ready to memorize something within five minutes, which Carell had to do huge pieces of, Yeah, you know, and that's always, and that's a good muscle to have handy yeah. uh, always. Um, it's funny, yeah. man. I'm in, I'm in quarantine for two weeks in Montreal before I shoot this part in a movie and You'd think maybe, I think high school Pete would think that this Pete quarantined would be looking at the sides and rehearsing and maybe planning. And I'm like, I will look at them. And this is not for laziness. It's actually to trick me into being better. I'll look at them the day of. I want to have that adrenaline of like, maybe the day before, the adrenaline of like, okay, this is what it is. The first rehearsal, the first take is basically a rehearsal. And then like, we're, we're going to figure it out and it'll be fresh. Because you're playing uh, someone kind of like yourself. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not playing, yeah. um, Yes, a a 13th century baron. Exactly. Yes. I'm not Truman Capote. I can just be me and I can talk. And sometimes I'll write down little things, not even knowing what the scene is. And I'm like, I had one for the last time we shot. I was like, it would be funny because I'm playing an uncle. If he calls Billie Eilish, Billie Eyelash. Just like the slightest throwaway. So I, I set out a reminder on my phone. I said, remind me on this day at this time, Billy Eyelash. So I'm looking at my phone. It says Billy Eyelash. Next take, I go, um, I say, Alexa, play Billy Eyelash. It gets this really big studio laugh. So everybody's covering their face. And I'm like, 
Fucking A, this is it. This is what I live That's for. That's where they pay you. That's why you're in quarantine. <laughs> Bring that Billy Eyelash guy back. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. We, we, had, we had so many great people, so many great people, and one of them was the great James Spader. Yeah. Who came and he was- I love James Spader on the show. And he, he was Brilliant. on the show. We had him for a season, and he's a wonderful, wonderful, looks out for all the actors, great guy. But I'll tell you, he was quiet for like five days and he would be in the makeup chair and he wouldn't say a word and he was quiet and, and, and I'm, and people are like, Hey, what's up? And he'd be like, and I remember thinking, Oh, Oh, well, that's cool. He has enough friends mm-hmm. in his life. Mm-hmm. And this is, and this is how he's going to do this. He's going to play close to the vest and he's, he's not, he's going to be nice but we're not going to get stories. It's not going to be like that. That's okay. Oh, yeah. you know, meet, meet your heroes. This is what happened. Yeah. And then like on the fifth or sixth day, and I think he was just observing us to see what kind of people we were, to see how <laughs> much he was going to give us, you know. Kind of like, kind of like his character, <laughs> like this yeah. Machiavellian genius. Yeah. But, you know, he's been around. He's like, I don't, I don't know these people. They could be assholes. I'm not going to, you know. And yeah. then um, sure enough, like on the fifth or sixth day, he's sitting in the makeup chair. And I don't know where he just, He's he's just starts. I was uh, uh, backstage in Edinburgh with uh, um, uh, Janis Joplin and and Bob Dylan was on stage. And then I remember looking, and then we and and we're like, oh, he's telling a story. He's telling. Gather around, everybody. Spade yes, is telling a story. Yes, because because yes. one of us was talking about Bob Dylan, and then he's like, uh, Bobby, I know, I met Bobby, and I know him, and I met, and we're like, oh, he's he's, and he just, and then. And then he, and then he was like, and then he was like, hello, how are you? And he, and then he would, he would tell a good stories. Um, and then you'd sit there and, and listen to us. Some were great. Some weren't so good, but some were great. And then if, if you blew, if you interrupted him or blew smoke up his ass, he kind of enjoyed it, but he would just stop and listen to you. Like try to get his finger ring. Cause he would tell stories. He would start it. It wasn't a conversation. He would say, yeah. I was the, and then, and then he, and then he talking his professor, you're like, Oh, he's, he's favorite telling us a story. And then he would look at you and then anyway. So, and then the towels and I bought these towels. He's not but, an improviser in the yeah, sense that he's not going to like roll with your bit. Yeah. He's like, no. This, this is the yeah. 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 <laughs> that is so funny. The casting yeah. of him was so brilliant. He's All so the, great. The Bob Odenkirks were great and Will was great, but, I was like, God, keep uh, that guy. Keep. Uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you one of the things he goes. You know, I I live in Hancock Park, and and I was my neighbor. It's it's great. He's a great neighbor because he's never there. He's only there two weeks out of the year. It's Brian May, and <laughs> I came out once, and and Brian May was smoking a joint in his driveway, and James Spader had to go up to him. Brian, that's not legal here, you know. And Brian May's like, Oh, I, I did the guitar player for Queen. Oh, I'm glad you said that because I'm like, who is Brian? May? I, I had to tell good. you because I could tell you don't know. Yeah. This is why we Brian zoom. May is. Oh yeah, my god! We gotta get it. Yeah. Oh, you know Queen? Do you know Queen? Uh, I know Queen. Right, Freddie Mercury. Oh, yeah, Freddie Mercury. Now I'm being an, I'm being an I, asshole. I love Queen Brian, so much. I have Freddie Mercury poisoning. I, well, I overdid it with Queen. <laughs> <laughs> Brian May is their lead guitar player. The guy with the curly black hair. He's yes. Keith Peters. Uh, uh, um, um, neighbor and he's smoking and a dupe. He's smoking a joint, and and Jane's like, you can't. And he's like, oh, he didn't know because he's so international. He's <laughs> flying all over the place. <laughs> or he chose not to know. He chose that not is, to know. It's Brian May. Who's going to stop Brian May? 
I got to say, Oscar, you are a delight. You're what I call a jukebox guest, meaning I just have to point you in a direction and you just give gold. I, 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 ha- I really hats off to what an incredible guest you are. We always end. So here's the last jukebox. The meaning of life, uh, however you see it, you can tell me how you were raised. I know you were raised Catholic, where you ended up now. How do you make sense or what story do you tell or what frame do you put around the mystery of existence? We're floating on a rock. You're inside that body. I'm inside this body. We, none of us know what's going on. Do you have any touchstones, any uh, texts, any quotes, any practices <laughs> that help you put this into perspective? All of the above that you said. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, man, it's. It's a thing, isn't it? It's a thing. It's the thing. It's the cosmic it's a thing. It's a thing. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's a, it's a thing. We, um, yeah, it's, it's trippy because, yeah, uh, so my parents left um, Cuba for political reasons because there was a tyrant crazy man who took over and ruined everything. And now I'm here and I'm like, the last thing I ever thought was like, I may have to leave because there's a tyrant crazy man. That is a big cosmic joke. Yeah. But, I mean, and yet here we know, are. I never thought it would happen. I mean, it, it's no, an unbelievable. I, uh, I just watched a documentary called The Way I See It. And it's about, it's about, oh, what's his name? Paul Souza, I think the official White House photographer for Ronald Reagan and Barack Obama. And it's good because it's good to go back and look at it because um, it, it's it's just a reminder of what it of means to what be it, presidential. What it is to be a decent person, even more than that, just to yeah. be a decent person. And I kind of believe in that, whether you believe in God or not, decency for the sake of being decency is okay by me. That's the way yeah. I was raised, and uh, you know, my uh, for better or worse, that's a you know. I was always taught to put yourself in the other person's shoes. Mm. And um, so to have someone who's like doing weird, bad things. And then when they catch him, his fallback is, listen, we're all douchebags, right? Am I right? Am I right? Cause that's the thing. He's yeah. like, yeah, I'm a, the doctors now are, are ripping you off and everybody. So, cause he shit, everyone's shit. And I reject that wholeheartedly. Yeah. He's got a small amount of people who are very vocal, but I believe the majority of Americans are decent people who know right from wrong. What a weird thing to be saying. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and I don't think it's a, it, it, it belongs to any one religion or anything like that. And I do believe people need to stand up and defend each other. It's like the Dalai Lama said, kindness is my religion. Yeah. Did he say that? Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. I, How can I, you argue? How could you argue against that? Yeah. That's what, that's what, and these guys with these, they're, they're, they're like, we are at war. They're militias. They're, they're have rifles they're, and, and they're white men. And I'm like, who is oppressing you? What, what are you fighting? Should we, should we start a fund for them? I feel bad for them. So what exactly is their beef? I don't understand. They're mm-hmm. white, they're male. They're armed. Who is hurting them? What exactly are they afraid of? And Mm. I don't know. It's as if they're in another country. They're like, we're under siege. The government, what are you talking about? You have mm. the presidency, you have the Senate, you had Congress, you have your rifles. What more do you need or want? I don't, it's this whole other reality. 
yeah. that they've embraced. I, I've been watching West Wing. I never watched West Wing either. And watching that show is like basically presidential porn, meaning it's like Martin Sheen is such a great president. He's so kind and so patient and he's, but he's happy. But he, 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 he turns out the cigarette at church. He throws a cigarette on the floor. Yeah. And it looks like God. He goes, what do you want from me? Yeah, so he, I He's kind, but he's like, ah. I haven't gotten to that. Right? Spoiler. Yeah. Um, he, has a, he, has a, he has a push and pull with, with the, the church. Yeah, he's not perfect for sure. But there are all these moments and I'm watching them. Like there's a, there's a battleship that's caught in a hurricane. So the president is like, can you get me on the phone with the commander? I want to call him. There's nothing I can do. You're probably going to die, but I just want to call him so he can have my honor and my respect and, and comfort him. And I can't help but go like, first of all, I'm an optimist. I'm like, maybe there's some gear we don't know with Trump. I don't know. I, I want to believe that if he, no, I, no. I know, I know no. as I say it, but then I do, I have to pause and I'm alone and do a bit where I'm like, it's Trump calling him being like, the waves are going to be huge. They're going to be the most glorious waves, the winds so high. And I'm just like, does, where's that gear? We're, 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 we're kindness depraved. We're, we're decency starved. And I don't know if you saw that mashup between Obama announcing bin Laden being assassinated or killed or whatever you say, and Trump announcing another uh, bad guy or whatever you want to say was killed, and they cut them together. And it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I'll say this. It's not his fault. He should have never become president. It's not his fault. He should have just been a douchey businessman like he was before. We'd all be fine. It's not his fault. They people vote. And the headline from the time he came down the elevator, every day, the headline in every single newspaper should have been Donald Trump is a pathological liar because mm -hmm. that's the headline. Now, if that's a fact, which it is because there's reams and reams of videotape, then how can you engage with him in a debate? You can't win because you're debating a crazy person. Right. Now you're crazy. If I'm debating you and, and you're crazy, what am I, I? I can't debate you. Roy Wood Jr. had the best bit. It was in favor of Bernie. He was like, because you can't debate crazy with, with sane. You have to debate crazy with crazy. So the only way to beat him is to be like, what, you're going you're gonna to do this? He's like, yeah, and I'm going to do all these other crazy. Like, you have to out-crazy him. That's right. You have but, to agree with him and go, you're right. Build a, 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 a fucking wall around Mexico like you did and, and wrap it around Canada, why don't you? And put it through right. the oceans. That's and right. put it in space. That's right. Which is what they said. We're but they, 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 they just refuse to call him a liar. They can't. He misspoke. He misspoke. He's, right. he's, just, he's just fucking talking. Yeah. He will, he's a raptor pushing on the fence, and he will keep pushing until it breaks. If yeah. you don't push back on him, he's like, well, here we go. Right. Here we go. That's it, it, so decency and kindness. I can't, and, I, and I, I wish I could take my vote back. I don't know why I voted for him the first time. I believe, <laughs> I thought, no, hear me out, hear me out. I believed, and I thought, and I, and I wanted, like you, I'm an optimist. Um, <laughs> no, if, if you're from New York, you know him. Yeah. Who, who, who other, what, what other president doesn't carry his home state? Who, yeah. who the hell? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it, it's a real. This is going to air after probably, I think it's going to air after the election. So it'll Dear be an interesting. Yeah. I, but there I'm optimistic. I really am. I, I don't know if you saw the voter turnouts in Florida and a, a lot, they're like five, six times in some cases you're looking at, it was 40,000. Now it's 260,000. And I'm just like, 
um, this has to be. Look, hope, we're talking now, now. Now we're having a conversation in the future, so we could yes. look like fools. But I'm like, we. Uh, I believe that there's hope. I hope. I hope, and I hope he leaves the White House if the vote tells him to leave. What is that scenario? When they asked him that at the debate, I'm like, what is the scenario? I don't he's know. Gonna what hand, he's gonna he's gonna handcuff himself to the desk. That's that's what I, I is this what it is? I mean, I'm like, not leaving. I'm not leaving. I just I, I can't I see know. it. When, Stay when, tuned. Stay when tuned. Kamala dodged that question, she they asked her that question, and she just said, "As you should in politics." But I was like, "What if we just had like a more casual thing where we're like, well, let's talk about it." I mean, what would happen? That's something they should do on the West Wing. What would happen if a president didn't leave? I'm like, no one. There's no safeguards for this because no one thought that a person with that character would become president. Not in their wildest dreams. Did yeah. any of the founding fathers thought a man like this would be president? Why? Why would he? Why yeah. would people vote for a pathological liar who's a con artist and yeah. a carpetbagger? Why know, would they vote for him? The scariest thing, one of, not the scariest, but one of the scary things I saw, I think it was Goebbels for the Nazi party said, whatever you're guilty of, accuse your opponent. And they yeah. do that. They do. The, they do. Team. They do. The, who they, it's the playbook. It's the playbook. Yeah. And sell, don't worry about the little lies. Sell the big lie. Yeah. They do it to a T. It's that Good is. Times. Yeah, let's talk about the office more. Were you friends with Stanley? <laughs> he yes, he lives in the valley. I saw Creed yesterday. No shit. Creed went fishing in uh in um down in San Diego, and he and he caught a bunch of tuna, and so he gave me some frozen steaks, and I gave him two books. I gave him a. Uh, the Painted Bird, which of course he had read, and then I gave him Duma Key by Stephen King because I think that's a scary book that he'll like. What is um? What is the Painted so we, Bird? Oh, it's a book by Jersey Kaczynski. Um, it's that intense. Sounds like, that sounds like a fake name. If you don't want to tell me who wrote it, <laughs> so it's, it's John Krasinski's pen name, Jersey Kaczynski. Not very uh, well veiled there, John. Kingsky. Jersey Kingsky. Is it Kingsky? He's the guy who did Chelsea uh, Gardner. What's the what's that? Mm. The Peter Sellers movie. What the hell is the Peter's being there? Oh, being there. Okay, being there. So he wrote that, but they say he didn't write that. There's a thing saying that he didn't write that because was, it's not his style. But anyway, he wrote he did write the Painted Bird and Cockpit, which are two amazing books. Just well, being there is Judd's Judd Apatow's favorite movie, I believe, and. I was just watching Goodwill Hunting because I'm in quarantine and I, I was just trying to feel like I was 17 in the movies again. And I was like, I don't mean to pile onto the stereotype, but I'm like, I gotta know who ghost writ this. Like it's so, cause I read the screenplay for Goodwill Hunting. It's very loose. It's very sloppy. Cause I was obsessed with it. Not, not bad sloppy, just regular, you know, screenplay sloppy. Um, and I heard a story that it was originally about, a, a genius from Southie who becomes a spy for the NSA. And then somebody was like, no, it's about your relationship with your therapist. I just want, that's one of the stories I want cleared up. Who wrote this? That's who did cool. it? Who, who did what, it? Was it Matt and Ben? But like, who gave them the notes? I need to know. I want to know who was involved. That I think was it a, was Matt and Ben. Don't you think it was? Look, I'm a believer, man. You can't talk <laughs> Matt and Ben on my watch. Those are those were my guys. Those were the guys that because I'm from Boston and they were roughly my age. When I was in uh, like seventh grade, I heard tell that there were these actors. Ben and uh, it was Matt. Ben didn't go to 
Cambridge and in Latin, but I would hear about these actors that were in really, and that was the that was the click moment where I was like, wait, the people that are on this huge screen that I go to in Burlington, this like cathedral, those are people that go to the high school in the same town that I'm going to grade school. Like, so I have my Matt and Ben stories. I won't retell them here, but the, every time I meet them, I usually embarrass myself. And, uh, and uh, I, I'm, I'm really sort of in awe of them because they were the guys that were like, you can do this. Anybody can do this. You just have to be a, you just have to do it. You have to go, not anybody. Yeah, you just have to do it. You have to go for it. It's like you watching that thing with your father. I'm not trying to force that. It's like you see something that gets into your home and affects your dad. You know what I mean? When yeah. my dad got tickets to see George Carlin when I was young, I was like, oh, so, and he took us to see Bill Cosby, scandal noted, um, bad person noted. But like, that was a big deal to me. I was like, my dad laughs at other men who he gives his will to them to make him. I was like, shit, this is the real stuff. That's culture. It's powerful stuff making somebody laugh. Good stuff. Oscar, I can't, I really want to give you a little bit of love here. You're an incredible, incredible guest. I, I'm blown away. I, I was well, excited to talk to you just because I'm a fan, but like, you got to know, and everybody needs to know, get, get Nunez on your podcast because this, this cat will tear it up. Well, I, I'm usually not, I, I, I'm a big fan of yours. So we had a good, we had a good session. It was very, I, if that helps, then I'm, I'm even more grateful. Yeah. I I loved your, I loved your show. I love the music on your show. Oh, thanks. McCartney song that I hadn't heard before that I got the, the look at me, diddy, diddy, that one. A lot of that is Judd. Judd was very, and our, our music um, supervisor was incredible, but we put a lot of work into the music. In fact, that was the only disagreements we got in were over music for the most part. We were always debating songs. So I'm glad that worked for you. And you shot in New York. We shot in New York. Talk about you getting recognized, right? So season one, we're shooting on the streets in the West Village with regular people walking by and nobody gives a shit. And then like season two, it got a little bit trickier, not because of me, but because people knew there was, that's not false humility. People knew there was a show that was shooting in the village that was on HBO now. So that it was, <laughs> would have to like digitally remove somebody yelling or I'd just casually get pretty good at in character being like, Oh, somebody said they're a fan. Maybe someone saw Pete do stand up. He just goes, Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> like just try That's to right. work with it. That's right. It works. By the way, that that handing out flyers on the corner, yeah, we did that for Shock of the Funny. We would go up to uh, First Avenue, Second Avenue, Friday night, and we would be handing out flyers. We're down the block. We're right there. We're right there. And you were in Alphabet City, basically in the '80s. So that that is, you have your own story there. It's incredible. And your hot dog time. I know what it's like working on the street in New York. Oh man, that was crazy. People steal dogs. Nah, not really. No, but I saw a lot of pickpockets and stuff going on right in front of me. It was crazy. Wow. Wow. Well, Oscar, we always ask one final question. It's my favorite question because no matter what your answer is, the guest seems to have a good time thinking of it. What is the time in your life where you laughed the hardest in your life? Or if that's too much pressure, a time that you laughed, maybe you were a kid, maybe you fell off your bed and farted. Uh, (laughs) But Anytime tears were streaming down your face, maybe it was on the office. Um, sometime you really lost your shit. 
I think it was in high school discovering Monty Python and and uh, Woody Allen and it's a mad 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 world. Yeah, it was as a kid, and that's and and that uh, it, that's when my humor got baked in and music taste. That's when I'm like, I really like all kinds of rock and roll, but it's the British rock that I like. Yeah, the glam rock and all that stuff, and then punk and all that. Yeah, um, yeah, I would say it was uh, teens, my teen years. I think. Does anyone say differently? I think teen teen years or so. I get a lot of good high school cry laughs. Somebody falls, somebody farts. Yeah, um, I think it was. I think it was high school. I can so many because it's you're 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 not you're not uh you're not a child anymore, but are you an adult? Yeah. And yet and yet you have access to a car so you can get away from your family and your yeah. town and you go to other places and you get drunk or whatever the hell you do with your friends and then you're like these adults with shirts and pants and your men guys are crazy. I don't know what girls do, but guys are crazy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. No trespassing. We'll see about that. Let's yeah, and you yeah, jump yeah. into and then you're in this different place. Yeah. And stuff is happening. So because yeah. you're too young and swift and fast, you, you can do those sorts of things. You can I never could, but you can jump a fence. And um, I had ac- I had access to New York City, one of the, arguably one of the best cities in the world. 45 cents, I get on the bus and I'm in this city. Yeah. There's Central Park. There's free concerts. Free yeah. concerts. Yeah. You're 16, you're 17. You can go see Devo, Joe Cocker, Diana Ross in the yeah. park for free. That's pretty yeah. cool. That is incredible. I loved going to New York when I was in my, cause I'm Boston, not too far. I joined model UN just so I could go to New York basically. And it was Boston's so- a great town. Boston's a great, great town. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, we lucked out in culture and things to do for sure. I can't stress it enough, man. This was incredible. I really hope it was so a bright spot of your day. Yeah. Thank you for this gift. Right we- on, man. We end with the guest saying the catchphrase and then we'll get out of here. Go do yoga with your daughter. Uh, we have the guest say, keep it crispy. I can explain it, but it really doesn't mean anything. Okay. Keep it crispy. Keep it crispy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Oscar. That was sure, awesome. Man. All right, Pete. Man, Thank you for being kind. Thank you for being hilarious. Bye, buddy. See you soon. Bye, Thanks, pal.